the Academy Award-nominated director of Cartel Land comes a harrowing true story of Marie Colvin, the most celebrated war correspondent of our modern time, starring Rosamund Pike as Colvin and Jamie Dornan as war photographer Paul Conroy as they set off on the most dangerous assignment to a city in war-ravaged Syria in A Private War. Now playing on View the Right Thing with Wes and Chris. Hey, welcome back to another episode of View the Right Thing. We're doing another now showing uh, mini episode. And I have, like, I'm super excited because I finally forced, tricked my buddy Christopher Lamb into joining me. Say hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. So, um, what? Nobody knows who you are, really. I mean, no. I'm, I've, I've probably talked about you in some episodes, but... Since you've never been on, people are like, I don't know. What, what the this hell is, is this guy? Yeah, what is this all about? So um, you and I have known each other since... Uh, 2001. 2002. We have a disagreement <laughs> on this. Um, <clears throat> I believe 2002. Um, and, uh, oh boy, we've... Uh, went to school we, together. Went to school together. We've lived together. We've lived together. Multiple times. In multiple, multiple cities. Multiple times in multiple cities, yes. Uh, we've worked together. Um, we've been struggling artists together, so yes. uh, it's it's been really strange. Like Chris is Chris is my best friend. I, there's Desi and then there's Chris, <laughs> and so it's been really strange not having Chris on. But I finally like I I, I pretended that um, I had like sweet treats here, and then he showed up thinking there were sweet treats, and really it was just a recording <laughs> a recording device. So it's tricked, uh... and we have him. So uh, you're totally excited to be on the episode, right? I'm ecstatic. Yeah, you can swear too. I knew oh. you were only you were like unsure if you could swear. <laughs> yeah. We have it listed as explicit on here. Oh, if you, okay. you want right. to, you know, I mean, we don't do it a lot. But, no, yeah, um, to be natural. So we're gonna talk a little bit, but once we get to the movie, uh, that you can do spoilers. Generally, what we try to do is um, first talk about whether we like the movie whether we would recommend people spend money on it. Once we kind of get that out of the way, that way um, people can make it listen at least up to that point and make a decision about whether they want to go see the movie. And then um, then we'll get into spoilery things. And it, They've had their opportunity. Okay. They've heard our basic opi- opinion about it. And then sure. we'll go from there. But first, um, can you tell people a little bit about yourself? Like, what do you do for a living? I, uh, I light in TV and movies, for TV and movies. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that for, uh, in the, in the union world for just about two years now. Um, and I've been in the business for 11 years. Yeah. So I've, I've been on sets for a long time. Yeah. Anything, um, any particular movies or TV shows that you're like, especially proud of that having, having worked on that people might recognize? Mm, I worked on Baller season three. Um, that was probably the most fun I've had on set. On the yeah. TV show. Uh, I saw videos of you dancing on that set, so you must have been having yep, fun. Yep, yep. Yep, there's, there's even an Instagram post with me and The Rock. I'm sitting down while he's doing a little Instagram post. That's awesome. Um, but uh, uh, movie-wise, Dolomite Is My Name is probably the biggest thing I've done. Do you know when that's coming out? I don't. Um, I worked on a, a movie called Bird Box that's coming out in December. It looks awesome. It's yeah. Amazon? Or Netflix? Netflix. Ne- yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be like a really short theatrical thing and then go straight to Netflix, isn't it? I think. Like yeah. within two weeks. 
I I don't I don't this isn't uh, like confirmed on my end, but um, they at least Netflix does at least one day in the theater. Okay, that's what I've heard. Um, and then it goes to, to streaming. But um, so yeah, if I I'm I'm waiting for the email yeah. <laughs> so I can go see it in the theater. Oh man, it looks um, really the trailer looks, is really good. <laughs> yeah, it looks very engaging, very unique film. Who's in it? It's Sandra Bullock. Uh, John Malkovich, right? Yep, John Malkovich. Um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Um, there's the the love interest in that. I, I forget oh, her name. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot her name, too. She was in Along Came a Spider. Yeah, she's kind of blowing up right now. Is she? Yeah. She was oh, no, in... it's Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. It's Sarah Paulson's in it. Yeah. She wasn't in Studio Oh, she was Studio 60? Yes. I'm thinking of the other girl. Uh, Amanda Peet. No, I'm thinking of a girl from a different show. Okay. <laughs> well, she was she was in Ocean's Eight, I, I believe, with yeah. uh, I heard Sandra she was Bullock as well. Um, That's which awesome. I haven't seen yet, which I'd like to see. Yeah, but um, yeah, it... Spurred Box should be a lot of fun. I did played on that movie. I wasn't a regular, but I got a uh, um, a Quiet Place kind of vibe out of it. It's the it's the opposite though. Yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah. instead of hearing, it's about seeing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I'm yeah. super excited for it. Yeah, me too. The trailer was so good. Yeah, it's funny because you talk you talked to me about it a bit, and then um, I think probably partially by design, and maybe I didn't want to know too much about it. But you didn't tell me a ton about the movie, no. uh, and I, I didn't even know John Malkovich was in it. You never even told me that. So when yeah. I saw the trailer, well, I was like, "That son of a bitch <laughs> never told me that John Malkovich was in this movie." Well, I never saw him because no. I they played on it. So gotcha. I, I only saw pe- bits right. and pieces. I'll let it go. I'll um, let it go. <laughs> I guess. But Dolomite is my name is probably going to come out early in the fall. I I'm April. Oh, next year. Yeah, next year. Oh, okay. Uh that's my that's my guess. Cuz we I I did those movies months apart from each yeah. other, so that's probably. And then um so some stuff that's already out that people can see. You did like Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler. you were on. Um there was something else that I thought of the other day, but then I can't remember what it was. Um, can you talk about what you're on now or is that like not, you're not supposed to talk about? Yeah, yeah, I can talk about, um, I'm on a TV show called What If, um, it's a, uh, Warner Brothers Netflix TV show. Um, I, I guess I don't know how much of it I can talk about. Sure. Um, you know, it's... You probably say who's in it, right? Uh, Mike Kelly is the executive producer, the showrunner. Yeah. Um, he, he did, uh, Revenge. Which is one of my favorite series. Yeah. So think if you like Revenge, you'll probably like this. Um, there are twists and turns and, um, soap opera-y storylines and... Yeah. Um... Who stars in it? Uh, are you allowed to say all that? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Jane Levy. I'm sure that's probably, uh, I don't care. Can you say the main... Oh, big, uh, Renee the, Zellger. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah. like, I know the, I know the name, she's, but I uh, yeah, she's number one. Um, I don't know. It's uh, again, yeah. If you if you've seen Revenge, you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be very similar. So it's gonna be a little so- tone, a little soapy, and yeah, uh, very dramatic, mysterious. Yeah, mystery, mystery, a little bit of thriller. I'm super excited. And uh, uh, yeah, and apparently, I heard that. Um, 
Well, actually, never mind. I, I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> I'm gonna Edit pry, that out. I'm going to pry it out of you later <laughs> when, uh, when we're not recording. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that's kind of who you are. That's pretty great. Um, it's If you have any questions for Chris, you, you're, you're not a huge social media guy, right? No. I... I used to I used to do the Instagram thing, but I just I don't post and I don't look anymore. You just don't it, not because you don't you're not you don't like it, but more no, because uh-uh. you just it's just keeping up with it. It's just not part of my world. You yeah. have a good eye. He's a great photographer. Oh, He's got a really great eye. Um, uh, so if you have a question for Chris, if you want to know what uh renee zellweger likes to eat in her downtime on no i'm just joking i will not tell you if you have if you have i don't know if you have any questions for chris you (laughs) could um tweet or instagram message us at vtrt movies and i'll i'll pass it on and i i know where he i know where he sleeps so i can i can get the info out of him uh so okay so let's move on to some movie stuff so we went and saw a movie today there were trailers you you probably see trailers on occasion anyways so yeah anything coming out that is just grabbing you. Yeah, we saw we saw a Green Book trailer today, which was I was pleasantly surprised. Like I had I had no idea that's what that was about. That movie was about. I've only seen posters for it on, yeah. the, on the road, and I hadn't I hadn't watched the trailer. But today, yeah, that was that looks awesome. I've uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, <clears throat> I've been I, every time I see a movie now. I think we're kind of in that. Um, section of films now too uh, of the year where one green book's about to come out so they're they're promoting it quite a bit but also i've been we're seeing a lot of like award winner type movies or movies that probably be nominated so of course they're going to play a green book trailer in front of those things and so i see it every time i go to the theater now and it is the rare exception where i've seen a trailer a million times and i enjoy watching the trailer every time every time the yeah, music is great the performances look like they're going to be very engaging. Yeah. Um, Maharshala Ali, I, I I love that guy, and especially after Moonlight, like I'm just really excited to see the things that he's going to do. Um, I, I like I like seeing him do things other than the bad guy. You know, he was the bad guy on Luke Cage, and he's the bad guy in the upcoming uh, Alita, Battle Angel. Okay. Uh, movie. Yeah, There's... and I haven't I haven't seen any of those. Um, look, I haven't watched Luke Cage at all. Oh, okay. And. Uh... What was the other one you mentioned? Alita, oh. Battle Angel. No, That's the new Robert Rodriguez. Oh, I, Moonlight. I, I haven't seen that. Oh, yes, you Moonlight, Chris. <laughs> I mean, just visually. I mean, Barry Jenkins. That's is, what I hear. I can't. Yeah, the viewers are gonna get just sick and tired of hearing me talk about Barry Jenkins, but I love, I love him as a director. I think he's, he's, um, just so special, and in his shot selection, or in shot selection, and the way he chooses to tell a story and. The sort of some really interesting choices he decides to make. Like, there's a really great scene in Moonlight where um, two characters are sitting in a diner having a conversation, and um, they play a song on the jukebox. And he actually played the song in the jukebox in the scene when they shot the scene. That's you never do that in a movie when you're making a movie. You always shoot it without the music, and then you add the music in post. And they don't sing to it or anything like that. It's just music that's playing while they're having a conversation. And um, that's just a really, like, to me, like a really brave, bold decision. But it it lent this kind of authenticity. You know the characters are listening to this thing. You know, you, you can feel it when you watch the scene. So he does a lot of, like, really interesting things with that. He does beautiful things with color. Um, and everything is thoughtful and rich and... Um, 
you can tell a lot of planning goes into it. He's the kind of filmmaker that like, uh, you know, I wish I could be not just that, but um, he's, I'm also envious of him as a filmmaker because he, he grasps like high art in a way that I don't get, Um, you know, the whole, like, you know, there's some, some filmmakers that I know that are like really into like French new wave and all this stuff. And like, I, I can appreciate it, but I don't really get it. I don't really like grasp onto it or love it. And Barry Jenkins is one of those artists that can do that, but he's also like a fantasy football guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just, I'm just really impressed with him every time. He's got a new movie called if Beale street could talk that also looks just fantastic. Every time I, 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 I almost cried when I watched the trailer. Like it's like the trailer is just so, so great. And it's like, it's one of the trailers is mostly just like, characters staring at the lens it's something it's something well that's that's something that's engaging about game of thrones too sure. um i know we didn't not, aren't that's that's a tv a ter- show you said that's a terrible segue but yeah um but two people having a conversation sure is engaging yeah and and part of that is you know the direction from the director yeah and how how he, he sees the 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 scene playing out and um the tension moment the tense moments and the the moments where you need to see their eyes or stay on their face and and not have the camera deviate or cut away or you know i find that to be brave also not cutting away not cutting away somebody who who knows exactly what he what they have Mm -hmm. he or she has and um just forces you to like look at it from their perspective they don't they don't play it safe by cutting to a whole bunch of different things mm-hmm. you know um i'm always really impressed especially if it's like a two shot two shots i really really like a lot if they can hold a two shot for a long time i really um i find that uh bold in, in bold and engaging yeah yeah keeps uh, you in the moment uh i said so green book you're excited about yeah that's only, that's only like a couple weeks away i think is it yeah it's this month Pretty sure. I've I've seen some other trailers that, and I should have written them down, but uh, there's some movie good movies coming out, I think. Oh, yeah. Widows comes out. I keep talking yeah, about that Widows, on the podcast. Yeah, Widows. Stephen Queen's movie. But a lot of a lot of performance-based movies. You know, mm-hmm. not not so flashy. To, yeah. But, like, Queen, uh, we saw The Queen of Scots. Oh, yeah, Mary Queen of Scots. Mary yeah. Queen of Scots. And that, uh, that seems very much like a performance film. Like, yeah. It's... I mean, the story is the story, but um, the performances kind of feel t- intense. Yeah, I think there's another one coming out called The Favorite, um, which Desi recently has mentioned on the podcast that she's really excited about, which is which is Yorgos Lathamos's new movie. He did, like, The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer. So his movies are about, um, tend to, when you watch them, they tend to be very visually striking, but also very much a personal... Um, intimate um character driven thing um so it's really about the people and uh and that one is um i'm not sure which queen it's about but it's also another like queen and her her handmaids thing it's a rachel weiss uh emma stone and olivia coleman and uh, it it looks really great and but it also looks fun and funny Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that's cool um, yeah, Mary Queen of Scots, I think, was great. I think I'm excited for Margot Robbie, maybe. Oh, right. Doing um, something different. 
Yeah, yeah. Very true. Uh, she looks different and amazing in this. Yeah. Like, she's, you know, if you've seen her in, uh, what the heck did she do? Squat. Uh, Suicide Gang, Squad. Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, focus. She did Focus. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So she's she's got, she's showing a little bit of range. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. We saw the Rocketman trailer. Yes. I do remember that now. Just yeah. this very moment. Um, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Um, me, me too. I think it looks maybe like it's going to actually be a proper musical with like dancing and stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm, and I'm, a little fantastical. Yeah. Like out of, out of this world, not like the way you might feel about the music as opposed to the wor- the reality of the world. Yeah. I agree. Right. Yeah. It looks, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, as much as I liked Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought it missed an opportunity to do some things like that. I think if it had been a more proper musical, I might've enjoyed it a little bit more, but mm. I have not seen that one yet. Um, so there's just a, I don't want to spend too much time. <clears throat> we're talking about so many of those movies. Um, but there's one that I had never seen a trailer for called head full of honey, which was oh, the Nick right. Nolte, Nolte movie. And I, I, I can't tell if I thought it looked like it was going to be a good movie or not, but it looked like something I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it's Nick Nolte, Emily Mortar, Matt Dillon, apparently Claire Forlani is in it. I didn't see her in the I trailer. I didn't see her in the trailer, yeah. Um, there was a young girl in it as well. I'm not quite sure who she was. Um, but interestingly, what I thought... Oh, the, the granddaughter? Yeah, the granddaughter, yeah. Um, but the thing that, that really caught me off guard is that it's it's directed by Till Schweiger, the actor... From like Inglorious Bastards and stuff. Okay. Um, he's Atomic Blonde. Um, I'm looking at his, his thing right now. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted. He was a German cop. Like he's like a a dude who always plays kind of like a bad guy, like a big tough bad guy. And just this idea that he's directing this what looks like maybe a very personal story mm-hmm. about loss and grief, but also about coping with getting older and being sick. Um, and how it affects everybody. Yeah. It looks like it'll be touching and sappy. Yeah. I think that's why I want to see it. But that, I'm, because I'm such a sucker for sappy, I'm, I'm, I'm unable to gauge whether I think the movie's going to be good or not. Mm. You know, just because I like something, it might be a bad movie, but I still like it. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a worthwhile movie to watch. Yeah. It'd be worth a shot at least. Yeah. Head full of honey. Head full of honey. Eric Roberts is in it apparently. Okay. So like, uh, let's move on to the the main, the main attraction. Oh boy, private war. A private war, um, which is the uh, true story of Marie Colvin, who is a foreign uh, correspondent for the Sunday Times in in England, um, and her kind of incessant need to constantly put herself into the most dangerous of situations. Um, if maybe you don't know the name, but maybe you might know what she looks like. She's a pretty famous, um, uh, journalist who had an eye patch and the way she wrote was, um, striking to people because it, it helped people understand, um, political, the, the political machine in other countries and how that affected other people. She sort of like brought that home and made it identifiable and understandable for people. So it's kind of, she won lots of awards and um, that's kind of who she was. So let's kind of get into it. So first off, the first question is, did you like this movie? 
I love this movie. I did too. I really, lo- I really loved the movie. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll we'll hold off the reasons why we loved it. Okay, but I like to hear that. So you you would recommend for the average person, you would recommend this as a ticket. You should absolutely go see this F- movie. Fifteen bucks. Everybody should go see this bucks, movie. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because you know where a lot of people listen, they tickets aren't that expensive. But here, it, you know, you go at night, it could be a $20 ticket. So you're good with a $20 it's ticket. It's worth $20. I agree. <laughs> I actually agree. I just wanted to, like, not say my opinion right away. Right. Right. Let yeah. you let you kind of say what you thought. But, um, yeah, I uh, – it hasn't been out – it's only been out on a limited release. So we're, yeah. we're kind of talking about it early. I think it's an award <clears throat> nominee. So let's we're going to start talking about and we're, we're there probably will be some spoilers. Um, it's a true story, so any spoilers we talk about may you may already know anyways. But if you want to go into this completely untainted, um, go see it and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. But uh, but let's 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 get into it. Um, what did you love about this film? What were the things that really grabbed you? I. I think throughout our conversation, I'll have more to sure. say. Yeah, um, but it. Do you want to start with Rosamund Pike? Um, not necessarily. That's I think, where I want to start. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Okay, what do you want to start with? Um, I, I don't. The reason why I like I love this movie so much, it was just engaging. Like everything kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. Like from the from the first shot, it was because the first shot kind of sets up the tone of the film right away yeah um in in how uh deliberate the movie is yep um so when it comes full circle like you just really yeah it really like strikes a chord yes yeah um and and you you kind of kind of go back backwards in the movie that you just saw yeah try and figure out things that not trying to give anything away but um We'll give it away a little bit later, but yeah, a little bit later. But this is very much a performance piece. Yeah, um, Stanley Tucci's in it. Oh, um, came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I was like, "Whoa, the Tucci!" <laughs> um, and I like that 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 he's a name and he's recognizable, but he wasn't a huge, huge part. He of wasn't it. in the trailer. I don't yeah. think. Um, I did. I think he's. I think he's. He showed his face once. Oh really? I, yeah. don't, I don't remember him in the trailer. So um, maybe maybe not. It was not. It was not memorable for me. So uh, that means they didn't focus on him in the they trailer. They didn't which focus. Is great. Yeah. Um, but the there were some some surprising performances by some actors that you would not think. Yeah. Based on what they've done before, were uh, they they would. Well, let's let's go to Rosamund Pike, and then okay. we'll talk about right. who I think you're talking about. So okay. Um, so Rosamund Pike is. Um, Marie Colvin and this was like a long time coming for her I think I've seen her in numerous things and always been like she's really great I wish she could do more um and the the one stand-up that I can think of is Gone Girl um where it was like she had a lot a lot more to do um psychologically but performance-wise she's not in the movie enough to really like I don't know to to really own it as much. This she owns every second she's every on screen. Every single second. Yeah. She, she is so freaking believable. She I feel like she beca- like she got the voice down too. She got the voice down. Yep. Um there's a moment where uh 
you you hear some um, voiceover of the of Marie Colvin, um, and you think it's her. I absolutely thought it was yep. her, and then when they I revealed that it was the actual woman, I was blown away. Yeah, absolutely blown away. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, so we'll get into some more subtleties about her, but I did want to just before we started talking too much about other actors, I wanted to give credit where credit was due because she really drove the movie. Yeah, and without her, like. None of these other performances really matter. Yeah. So, um, but agreed. The person that you want to talk about, I think. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, there, there is a perf- yeah. In terms of, uh, um, everybody did an amazing job. Tom, Tom uh, Hollinger, right? Yeah, I never, I didn't really know him. Uh, he uh, he's in um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, he's one, he's the bad guy, and he's one of the the Englishmen in Pirates of the Caribbean. Huh? Yeah, he's a very good bad guy. He's in a um, he's in Bird Box, Lacar. <laughs> he's in a Lacar um, TV movie called uh, The Night Manager. He does a really good job. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he was um, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, he was okay. So uh, I, I didn't see that. Not really a big spoiler, but he basically plays Miami Beach. So anybody <laughs> who's seen it, if you understand who Miami Beach is. Then uh, that's he, that's him, but he plays a a supporting role that um, carry kind of carries the film, ca- carries the who this person is, who Rosamund Pike um, or Colvin is. Um. Well, they flip the relationship on their head too, I think, which is interesting. Um, normally, you have these movies about the press, and you have um, you know usually the um, the news editor is like pushing them to do the wrong thing, pushing them to be in a dangerous situation. And this guy, pretty much the whole movie, is like, yeah, we want it for our readers. So if you're going to do it, great. But you really shouldn't do this. You really yeah. need to come home. You really need to be safe. You really need to take care of yourself. Yeah. And that's something else that I love about this film was it's very, very honest. Yeah. Um, it's kind of... Brutally honest. It's it brutally honest. Like, it doesn't really pull any punches. It's... It, it says what it needs to, so you get the right information. Yeah, and uh, and that's very much the way Murray Colvin right. was. Well, and I want to clarify that too because you're you're a hundred percent right that the movie doesn't pull any punches. But I think sometimes when people hear that about a movie, they think the movie is like overly aggressive or is going to be brutal, and it's okay. brutal in its information, but it's not visually like. I didn't find the movie to be sappy. I didn't see. No. I didn't find the movie to be over melodramatic or anything like that. I felt like you were saying it's very true. It, um, so I just want to. I just want to clarify for people that it's not. It's not one of those like it doesn't pull its punches. It just like what you were saying. I think it just tells the truth. It tells the truth, and and that's what she was all about. Yeah. It's it's not about the watching, you know, a helicopter land and. Mm-hmm. Um, and with caskets or with uh, people coming out of it or machines right. or whatever. It's about the human story and the truth of that story. Yeah. And that's very much the way she's portrayed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think there's, he even has a conversation uh, with her um, and she, she kind of f- is fighting with him and she's like, I'm going and seeing this thing that you're not seeing. I'm going and seeing it so you don't have to see it. But what I think, I don't know if the real woman missed this or, you know, if this was intentional, but maybe what is missing there is that she thinks that 
she's seeing it, so we don't have to. But the reality is she presented it in a way that we understood it and we were able to see it ourselves through her lens, yep. through through her words um, in a way that like hits home to people. And like, like, you know, we keep talking about how it's a very like relatable and personal, personal thing. Um, the way she spoke and the way she wrote was like beautiful prose. It was, it was poetry in a way. Yeah. The, there were, there were moments in the film that felt very, um, poetic and not, not in a, not in a, I don't know. Um, not in, a, not in a poetry way, not not, not in, in a, a way that snobby way, or not anything. in a snobby way, not in a like oh I'm I'm reading poetry or I have I don't know I I'm not saying this right probably no no no, no I know I know exactly um I t- well I want to add to it just because I think I know there's a moment in the movie when she has an interview with Anderson Cooper and I I, I remember thinking at the time like I need to go back and look up this interview on YouTube to see if it's on YouTube because I want to see it for myself because. It it sounds scripted almost because she knows exactly what she wants to say and she knows exactly how to to hit your hit you where you live and um, and make it understandable and explainable and it's almost like was also she that eloquent in real life like and that's I think what, kind of what you're talking about is like she she's so like she tells the story with everything and... she says. And it sounds almost like it's always prepared. She, she, yeah. she had a great mind. Beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about Paul in the film. Yes, Paul. Jamie Dornan, who is somebody... Jamie Dornan. I don't... I recognize, but I don't know that I've seen him in anything. Um, all I knew is that he's the Fifty Shades of Grey guy. Right. So I would not expect anything out of this guy. I would right. I would not expect the performance that he gave, and um, man, I was I was blown away. Yeah, it was it was nuanced. It was it was uh, genuine, vulnerable, uh, vulnerable, very vulnerable, yeah. um, and uh, uh, funny in places. Yeah, um, he was a good a good uh, balance to her. I thought. I, I kind of wish we had got that may be my one criticism for the film is I kind of wish we got more of their relationship more of their working relationship together yeah that's that's certainly one of mine as well I would have liked to seen Tucci in it more too but that that wasn't as much of an important part of the story as it um, but you're right the their relationship um, uh, Paul's relationship uh, to to Marie I think is um for her kind of the heart of how she kept going um even though she kind of would be able to keep going no matter what no matter who was on her side um but he uh i don't know he um it's like i want to say some things but i don't want to give him too credit and give her too little her too little credit but in some ways i felt like he kind of helped save her life early in the film um, in that she was losing her mind. He definitely helped save her career. Um, and she needed to be um, in a health facility. 
and he he was there to visit her and i think i think like the conversations that they had were very eye-opening she has the scene where she talks about the psychobabble like why she yep. is the way she is and that might be one of the more important parts of the film yeah and and his involvement in that i think yeah like can't be overlooked yeah and it's i think i think part of what the movie was saying was um she needed somebody in her life that didn't want anything more from her than just going through the going through life with her yeah trust and trust yeah, yeah. the trip like yeah the trust that you can't find in a broken relationship and the trust that you can't find in a editor that wants you to do more not do or you know not always be on your side um there's a there's a trust in friendship and family that i think he gives her that nobody else does yeah well and, and he was an alcohol right like she uses he had his own demons yeah yeah well and and she used alcohol and sex and sort of all of her relationships as a way of like brushing things off like she has a very close friend who she visits her daughter and um they go on a sailboat together and they have they have a really there's a really great scene i shall come back to that in a second where they have dinner um she even uses that as an excuse to kind of brush her trauma away and ignore that she uses all of these relationships whether it's sexual or work or friendship as a way to and alcohol as a way to completely numb the pain that she's going through and i think kind of what you're saying is like the paul character wasn't that he he wasn't the thing that um numbed those things he was the thing that acknowledged the trauma and uh allowed him to come out yeah and it was i thought it was their relationship was portrayed very beautifully um there's a so going back to that scene, the dinner scene. There's a scene pretty early on. So Marie Colvin loses an eye or loses the ability to use an eye, um, and they have a scene where they they're joking about being a pirate and eye patches and stuff uh, pretty early on. And I think it's a really it's funny. It's a really common thing to kind of it's almost gallows humor. It's not about death, but it's it's about something dark and you're. Um, sort of trying to like make light of a serious situation because that's kind of how you cope. And um, but then there's this moment, and I thought this was uh, a prime example of how subtle Rosamund Pike was in this film. Is you know she's trying to pour the wine, her depth perceptions off, and they're all having a lot of fun. And uh, and then she's staring in a mirror at herself. And, uh, she's broken, you know, it's not, not this facade that she's putting on for everyone else. Um, you get those little glimpses and, uh, it's very affecting. Mm-hmm. I, there, in that moment that you're talking about the, um, uh, uh, the director, um, Matthew Heineman, right? Heineman. Yeah, I think so. Um, he decided not to show us her face. Right. Um, most of the film he does. For most of the film, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we end up seeing her in her eye patch before we actually see her, what, what, what happened to her. But, um, I'm not entirely sure why, um, he chose to do that except to just let us take in the moment of her realizing that things are changing yeah um 
I, I think I, the feeling I got was sort of what you're saying. Like we're watching the character evolve. Um, there's another device that I thought they used really well. That was like, when you think about it, it's really obvious, but I, they did it in a very subtle way is um, the movie starts in like 2000, 2003, roughly. It doesn't actually, it actually starts in 2012 and then jumps back. But um, I think it was, I think it starts in like 2002 or 2003. Yeah, something like that. And, um, and then goes to 2012. In, when you go back before she's lost her eye, um, you can watch the technology progress throughout the film. Like, everything is sort of a countdown towards 2012. So it's, you know, nine years before home, then it's, uh, you know, seven years before, and then it's three years before or whatever. Uh, and you can see the technology changing, like when she's at, you know, at her desk, She's using this laptop, this blue screen of death thing. And yes. she's also got a huge freaking computer monitor next to her. <laughs> um, and their phones change over time. And I remember the moment when she uses a smartphone for the first time in the movie. I remember thinking about that. Um, and the the advent of Skype being an important thing and mm-hmm. how, they, how they connect. You know, it used to be like satellites. And, and she embraces all of that. Yes. I think that's a really important part of that. Which is really interesting for a journalist. Yeah. Because that was the advent of, like, killing print media, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting that she, she, you're right, she does. She embraces that because there's, there's multiple scenes where people have to fix her devices for mm-hmm. her. But be, she she doesn't just quit using them. Mm-hmm. She gets somebody to fix them and then, you're right. She utilizes the people around her. Um, but But as those things, just like those things change, I think we see her become... Like sort of like joking about the eye patch, and then u- utilizing it, and then you can kind of tell. I think she's utilizing it as a um, a new facade, like building her brand that way, um, being the tough reporter. And then at some point near the end, there's this shift where she's. I think she's broken again. I think she's lost the guy that she thought she was trying to get back together with and then she finds Stanley Tucci's character and her friends are sort of starting to pull away. Pull away yeah. Um and by the time you get to 2012 she's just not using when she goes there she's not using the eye patch anymore. Nope. And um oh, got a little notice on the phone there. Um so I think I think I got the feeling that that was a a gradual like a progression thing. Yes. That, that's just where she was at that point. Um, well, she... She... <laughs> when she finds Tucci's character... Yeah. And she's embraced that... Or she's allowed herself to be herself mm-hmm. with that character... She... She she takes it off with us. Yeah. Oh yeah, we see we see we her see her undress. decide to become completely vulnerable yeah. and completely open. Yeah, and she does that for the audience. She does that for the audience. Yeah, um, which takes me back to when we didn't see her eye in the first place. Yeah, it makes it makes me think that he the um, uh, Matthew uh, decides to not show us her eye because she's still guarded. I think it's a great observation. I think you're right. 
Matthew? Matthew. Mr. Heineman? Mr. Heineman. Please I forget respond the, to us I forget and let us know name. if we're correct. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think I think that's that seems very astute and, and very likely. Um, uh, so, man. Oh, the only other the thing I can really, like, point to that I really wanted to, like, just highlight one of the things I loved about the film. Um, visually, it's not, like, stylistically... Um, unique it's it's not uh no yeah you know kind of like you were saying it's not about the sweeping helicopter shots landing in the middle east or whatever uh, but there are there are moments where they allow the where they just happen to be to actually just be beautiful mm-hmm. um early in the, the she goes to sri lanka um pretty early in the film and uh, and i love that stanley tucci says it's sometimes hard to say sri lanka um, <clears throat> I remember when she gets to the village and she's speaking with who she's interviewing, um, the rays of light just come streaming through the trees was really, uh, noticeable to me, but yeah. if they didn't focus on that, if they just happened, I mean, they probably manufactured that, you know, maybe, I mean, you do that, right? Yeah. Um, manufacture stuff like that. Sure. But, and this is... If you've ever seen a Bob Richardson film, that shot film, um, like Hugo, <laughs> for instance, oh, okay, yeah, um, uh, or any any of uh, Quentin Tarantino's movies, um, does he do Tarantino stuff? He does, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, he, you know, he's very stylistic DP, and yeah. he's like hard lights and hard backlights and bright bright colors and deep deep oranges, bright blues, you know, like. He's very stylistic, um, but in this film, it was all natural. Like everything yeah. about it was natural, and the way the way you would see a newsroom, um, um, and uh, as you know, the bolt holes coming through glass, you know, letting the light just stream through and not filling it in with anything else, or seemingly not filling yeah. it in with anything else, and the lights come streaming through the trees. Um, well, I had a, I had a question about. Maybe you know. Or the sun. I was really curious about... There was one scene... It, a lot of this... I don't know where they shot it. A lot of it does look like it was shot in the Middle East or yeah. shot in Syria right. or wherever. Um, and I was actually thinking about that during some of the Iraq scenes. I was like, man, where do you go to just blow stuff up? You know, like, where do you go that looks like Iraq to blow stuff up? Yeah. Like, I mean... Um, <laughs> but Ventura. Uh, right? <laughs> Uh, there's a scene in, uh, Libya around the Qaddafi stuff. And I believe it's in the Qaddafi stuff. And she goes, uh, yeah, that's where the journalists are attacked. Correct. And she ends up sitting on the edge of the building outside her hotel room. Yes. And Jimmy Jordan comes out and he's sort of like trying to talk her down. And I remember the city, the shot of her sitting on the edge with Jamie Dornan next to her and the city and thinking, did they light these buildings up? Like, how did they shoot this? Did they actually light it or did they they drop the camera down and light them to match, to try and be able to have the stuff in the background work? Like, I know this is a very technical thing on this podcast, which you don't normally do, but since you're here, like, what's your thought on that? Like, was that something you noticed in the film? I did, yeah. Yeah. It was... Yeah, because um, there were buildings like 
way across the city that were big buildings that were lit up. Yeah. And I thought, how did they match that? <laughs> how did they get all these things to let, to be lit? Well, my my original thought was that they probably just green screened it. Oh. That they that whatever she was sitting on um was there and then everything else was green screen. Oh. Um and either they created it in post um through through CGI or they um shot plates for it. But well, that makes me sad. If it <laughs> if it was on location, then um then yeah, chances are with with the with Bob Richardson being the DP and um, the names attached to this thing, um, chan- there's a very good chance that they lit that street. Wow! Um, like the stuff when we when we first see um, uh, Paul come out and notice her, we see s- some stuff in the distance. Yeah, that makes me think that that wasn't actually there. But once we once the camera moves into uh, her profile and we see where she's actually sitting, yeah. like that street. That makes me think that that was real, and they would have lit that. Um, it looked real. I mean, I wouldn't have yeah. thought that was green. So there's sometimes where you can really like, hey, that's green screen. That, right. Yeah. But uh, it didn't feel that way. It felt no, like she was there. It felt like she was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and every and again, like we saw where things were, like the lights that were hitting them. We know we we saw those lights, like yeah. on that rooftop. It, it wasn't super clear exactly where she was, how high she was, but when the camera moves in and, and we see where she is, everything else is revealed. Like what is lighting her? It's a nap. It's a, it's not a, it's not a, a light on the ground pointed up at her. It's, it's part of the facade of the building. Yeah. You know, um, the natural, the naturalness of, of their environment, I guess. Um, which is, I, it could just be me thinking that, you know, th- looking for butterflies when I see a zebra or the other way around yeah. or whatever. The little aquafraser thing. Yeah. But uh, you're in this space with them and what you see is what you get. There's no like, um, there's no unnatural backlight. There's no... Right. Um, uh there's a reason for everything you see. Yeah. And the, what we're supposed to be paying attention to, um, is Rosamond Pike, um, uh, sitting on the ledge with the expression on her face, thinking that she's feeling a certain way. Um, but maybe what's happening is, you know, what's happening in the distance is just adding to the defeat, the feet that she feels or, the um the the responsibility that she feels right. that's very much a motif in the in the film um but i don't know it's it's a movie that you would watch multiple times i think like uh, yeah, you I would see, yeah. you 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 watch it once to to and you get a sense of it and then you watch it again to find those nuances that 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 tell the story even more well, it's funny you say that because there's there is something about it that made me want to watch again and that was um her her clothing not when she's on the job but when she comes back and she's at these like award shows and stuff where she's getting an award and she gets like all dolled up it it's so interesting because it feels like like that's part of her duty that's part of her job 
Um, but it also feels very unnatural for her. Like it seems really out of place and strange. And then later in the film, here's a bit of a spoiler. Um, uh, after that scene, actually, um, you find out that she's wearing this like really expensive fancy. I think he refers to it as a fancy bra, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. And she's like, it's Perla or whatever. I don't know what that is. I'm a guy and I don't know. Um, and I have no fashion sense. But the guys can't know about this stuff. So I have no fashion sense. Um, and uh, and this is sort of like, she, I think she says something like, if they're going to pull my corpse out of the ground, then I, I, want, I want to look good or I yeah. want to look fantastic or something. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. And so once you know that, it's sort of like in a way makes me want to look back at those other scenes where she was wearing fancy clothes and just see like, did she feel like she was in her own skin? I wasn't paying close enough attention to it yeah. then because I didn't know it was maybe a thing. So um, it's, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's definitely a movie you watch again. Um, we gonna wrap it up, but I have one more question about the movie for you. Okay. Well, two things. Anything else you want to talk about regarding the movie? Um. Yeah, I think I think this film is important for everybody to see. Yeah, I think it's uh, um, it the another motif of the film is um, the act of caring about what's happening around us and the activism that comes along with it. Like, it's not enough to watch the news. It's not enough to read the news. It's if you care about something and are passion by some by an idea or or a pursuit you you take action and like her action is about getting in there um her maria marie's action is about getting in there and telling the stories of the individuals and not making it about what's gonna make a company money it's about you know it's a it's about the real life experience of what's happening every single day that we don't see. She knew something that we didn't, and she had a need to make sure we knew about it. And she had a need, yeah. Yep. A desperate need, not a, just like... De- yeah, an obsession. Yeah, an obsession, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, okay, so last question for you. Um, so we'll, we'll try to be fairly vague, but uh, did you know much about the story going in? I knew nothing about this. So you, you didn't know, like how it was going to begin middle or end. Nope. Um, what, knowing that it's like a, a f- kind of a famous reporter and stuff and that it's a true story, would you recommend people go into it blind? Like, is that something that you think lended to your enjoyment? I mean, I knew going in how it was all going to turn out. So, um, so, but I still love the movie. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, no, I don't think so. I think if you're interested in this, you should, know as much about it as possible right. i don't think i think knowing what happened um is gonna um take away from the movie's story and the point the point of the story right. i think if anything it'll add to it because sure. you'll know more about her than um uh than than not having seen anything about her i yeah. guess um i from from the beginning though of the of of the movie when we go back in time to 2003 like from the mo- from moment 1 that we meet her she's engaging and she's bringing us into the world that uh that we're about to see um 
and that's something else about the film that I really loved was um, it we the entire film is from her perspective like we stay with her through everything yeah um and and it's not just seeing what she's seeing it's the the camera is in is is allowing us to be right next to her mm-hmm. and that makes what she went through and what everybody else around her went through that much more intense right and engaging no i agree i totally agree um i would say uh just something to think about um uh after having seen this film um i mean maybe before but definitely after having seen this film um there are two documentaries i recommend one is a short documentary it was nominated for academy award called white the white hats i believe it was called um, and then they made a full-length feature documentary that was nominated for an Academy Award last year called Last Men in Aleppo. Um, and uh, they, Aleppo gets name-dropped in the film. Um, and uh, it is about um, civilians in Syria who are essentially stuck in the cities that are with other civilians that are being bombed and killed. And basically what they do is they wait for an air raid and they see where the bombs are dropping and they drive as quickly as they can and start pulling people out of rubble as quickly as possible to try to save lives. Um, and it's just regular people doing this, volunteers. And they could they could try to leave, but they don't. Um, and uh, both those, the short and the full length, are excellent documentaries and I think um, sort of accentuates sort of what she's trying to get across in this in the film Private War which is these are real people these are not military you know targets for example the, you know these are people that get affected by this these political machines of war so um, definitely recommend those two films but um, but yeah that's it that's it you, you did it first episode with me hopefully maybe we'll do another one uh, you had an okay time right Yeah, it was good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Until next time, everyone, Bond Cinema.